To get your free audio gift, The Three Pillars of Achieving Your Perfect Weight Using the Mind-Body Connection, go to healthymindfitbody.com and enter your first name and email address, and we'll send that to you right away. Welcome, everyone, to Healthy Mind Fit Body Podcast number 29. This is Wes, and I have Kevin on the other line. Hey, Kev, how's it going? Good, man. How's it going? Not too shabby. I uh, have a personal injury story to relate to you. I went uh, sprinting on the beach the other night after I did my weight routine at the gym, and I got to like the third sprint, I think. I was going to do like eight. Yeah. Uh, 40, 50 meters down the beach. And I ended up pulling or straining my hamstring, my left hamstring. I've never actually done that in all the times really? that I've sprinted and ran and so forth. Yeah, never pulled it to the point where I couldn't do the sprints anymore. Wow. <laughs> so I was like, that was a major bummer. Did you warm up? Uh, warm-ups are for wimps. Apparently. <laughs> <Yeah, barely. laughs> wimps that don't have hamstring problems. So. I guess I should have warmed up, but... Yeah, there was a time spent between my workout at the gym and that because I was at a coffee shop and just bolted over there to the beach and started running sprints. So maybe the moral of the story is to warm up, huh? Yeah, yeah, I think warm up's good and and also easing into it because actually it doesn't sound that hard to do eight sprints Mm -hmm. because I I actually intended to do that the other day at the beach and uh, I got through six and I was just really wiped out. I mean, (laughs) it's like it's only like five minutes of exercise and I was just dead so it's all that cerveza you've been drinking in yeah that probably didn't that probably <laughs> didn't help the whole you know nine days in costa rica wasn't uh, helping me but in any event the sprinting is a lot more taxing on your body than just going out for a slow like 30 minute run it is yeah and when i first started doing it i noticed my hip flexors uh, that pull your leg up as you're running that got really fatigued on me mm. but i worked through that one uh, just this uh, little hitch in my get along now but I think I'm back to normal. I did a leg workout yesterday at the gym, and uh, it's still a little tender, but I think it's going to be okay for the next uh, round of sprints. I will definitely work into them slowly. Yeah, good idea. So on a nutritional note on my end, I just got a brand new gas grill. All right. Sitting out on my deck right now, and it's spring, and it's going to be used, so my health factor is going to go to the roof because I'm going to be grilling some healthy meats uh-huh. And having, yeah, having some good Just times. Just like Grok used to do over the campfire in the cave. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, instead of, you know, using the microwave, which has kind of been my bane for the last year and a half. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're going to be cooking along here. Yeah, I sometimes cook meats in the microwave just because uh, it's quick and easy and it doesn't raise the temperature to the point where you've got uh, those carcinogens, right? Yeah, yeah. By the way, so so what is the research as far as what you're aware of on microwaves? And um, I was talking to a friend yesterday about the uh, radiation that goes into your food when you cook in the microwave. She was concerned about that. And I didn't know what the research actually showed because there was a lot of that uh, kind of, I don't know if it's fear-mongering or if it's actual, you know, the real thing. But, you know, maybe a couple of years ago, I was reading a lot about how you never use the microwave. And if you stand near it, you're probably going to get brain cancer and you know, it's bad for your food and blah, blah, blah. Well, I do wear a tinfoil hat when I uh, put things <laughs> in the microwave. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, um, all the things that I've read show that it is uh, completely harmless, uh, uh-huh. unless you get really close, uh, because it's designed to heat the water molecules in the food. 
Yeah. And that's what raises the temperature. And it's non-ionizing radiation, different frequency than you find in cell phones, of course, but that's also non-ionizing. So all the hysteria about cell phones causing brain cancer, potentially, uh, don't bear out in the research. Yeah. At least all the places I've read about it, trying to scrutinize the nature of it. But yeah, microwaves... No worries there. It's not going to leave any sort of uh, ionizing radiation in your food or anything. Yeah, and I think people get caught up in, like, if your only way to cook vegetables is to put them in the microwave, you don't have time or whatever, you don't have the resources, then that's much better than not doing the vegetables at all. So, Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is a very quick way to do things, and I find myself using a microwave quite a bit, actually. And it is healthier than, say, frying foods, because then you run into the uh, free radicals that can happen right. from uh, cooking those oils at high heats. So yep. the, the point is, is just cook at low temperatures or lower temperatures because the higher temperatures can tend to change things chemically and cause carcinogens to be consumed, basically. Yeah. So there's a name for that process. Um, grilling meat at high temperature can form two kinds of potentially carcinogenic compounds. Mm-hmm. The polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons, the PAHs, and the heterocyclic amines, HCAs. Okay, so we're, we're going to grill the meat on a low heat, and we're going to have lots of beer. There you go. All right, that solves that. It says on this article here, um, studies have shown increased risk of colorectal, pancreatic, and breast cancers associated with high intakes of well-done fried or barbecued meats. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think if you just do it at moderate temperatures, I think you're good to go there. Yeah. But anyway, this show, we were going to talk about the next pillar of self-esteem. And we've covered two so far, the practice of living consciously and the practice of self-acceptance. And this third one is the practice of self-responsibility. On the surface, this one seems like the easiest thing of all. I mean, just be responsible for your actions and that's, uh, that's all you need to know, right? I mean, there's nothing really else to say. Yeah, I guess it is all-encompassing, though, isn't it? Because Brandon actually wrote an entire book on the subject of this pillar called Taking Responsibility, Self-Reliance, and the Accountable Life. Mm. And just opening this chapter, he sketches a brief overview of what it means. The practice of self-responsibility entails these realizations. I am responsible for the achievement of my desires. I am responsible for my choices and actions. I am responsible for the level of consciousness I bring to my work. I am responsible for the level of consciousness I bring to my relationships. I am responsible for my behavior with other people, co-workers, associates, customers, spouse, children, friends. I am responsible for how I prioritize my time. I am responsible for the quality of my communications. I am responsible for my personal happiness. I am responsible for accepting or choosing the values by which I live. I am responsible for raising my self-esteem. What does each of these items imply in terms of behavior? Well, I'd say quite a bit, huh? Yeah. I mean, that covers a lot of aspects, and it's actually probably, like you said, it's all-encompassing. I mean, what what else is there? <laughs> yeah, a lot of bad eating habits, shall we say, that we cover on this show quite a bit, trying to help people grapple with these issues. Sometimes there's a lack of responsibility for the choices that one is making in the process of eating foods, right? It's almost passed off as an environmental influence or peer pressure or something that happened in my past or maybe even an addiction, right? Yeah, yeah, that's an easy one to do. Like, oh, I'm addicted to carbs. <laughs> well, I can't control, that's basically saying I can't control myself. Mm-hmm. Or we talked about this too in the past of, like, I always have to have my whatever when I'm doing whatever. So 
It's like if you go to the movies, oh, I always have to have my popcorn and my Coke, my large Coke when I go to the movies. And, you know, that's not really taking responsibility. It's just kind of doing what you think that everyone else is doing. And notice the way it's phrased. I have to have this. Right. Right. Exactly. Rather than I choose to have this and accept the consequences of my choices. Yeah. Yeah. So he says a little bit later in the chapter, he says, taking responsibility for my happiness is empowering, places my life back into my own hands. Mm-hmm. So that's um, pretty big stuff. Yeah. So on the overarching viewpoint, I am responsible for accepting and choosing the values by which I live. If I live by values I've accepted or adopted passively and unthinkingly, it's easy to imagine that they are just, quote, my nature or just who I am, or I, ha- I have to have that popcorn, right? Yeah. <laughs> and to avoid recognizing that choice is involved. If I'm willing to recognize that choices and decisions are crucial when values are adopted, then I can take a fresh look at my values, question them, and if necessary, revise them. Again, it is taking responsibility that sets me free. Exactly. I think that's the key point there, isn't it? Yeah. The freedom that you get from you know, taking the responsibility is so important here. And the part that I think a lot of people get hung up on with self-responsibility is, well, there are things out of my control. I mean, there are things in life that are out of my control, which is true. There are some things, but you have to be able to distinguish the ones that are in your control and what's not in your control. Mm -hmm. So this is what Brandon says. He says, I do not support the grandiose notion that I am responsible for every aspect of my existence and everything that befalls me. Some things we have control over, others we do not. If I hold myself responsible for matters beyond my control, I put my self-esteem in jeopardy, since inevitably I will fail my expectations. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it puts a lot of stress on you. If you think that everything is in your control, then you're just going to be walking around stressed out all the time. Sure. But, you know, taking just what you can control in your own life goes a long way with, especially with nutrition here. Which kind of dovetails into having a solid sense of one's own identity. Yeah. And that's part of the process of working on these self-esteem issues is coming to terms with the fact that your mind is competent to think and judge the facts of reality and your person is worthy of happiness. And as you apply those insights into your behaviors, into your ideas, into your interactions with other people and how you look at food and your own body image, you'll develop an ability, a conscious ability to explicitly recognize, okay, this is what I'm choosing to do now. These are the values that I'm living by. And as I accept these choices and values, then I can work through finding out how to achieve a better way of life. And as we covered last week with the practice of self-acceptance, it's really about accepting what level of responsibility we've been taking in the past and then recognizing that, hey, we can increase that amount. And he has a sentence stem that's pretty helpful for that. If I lived 5% more self-responsible today or in my week or in my interactions with other people or in how I approach eating. Yeah, or attainment of goals, which can have a lot to do with eating. Yeah, and your statement about what you're able to control in your life and be responsible for, it reminds me of the serenity prayer. Yeah, I was just thinking of that too. Yeah. (laughs) So, do you remember how that goes, how it's phrased? Uh, let's see. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change and the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Yeah. Did you just read that? No. <laughs> it's in my head. <laughs> yeah. I learned that growing up, actually. That's it. Yeah. We don't necessarily need to pray to a deity to recognize <laughs> the truth of that, right? Yeah, exactly. And Brandon gets into this about people that say it's all in God's hands or he has it worked out for us that would be denying responsibility also. 
because this is basically talking about how you consciously look at yourself and your values and the choices that you make, uh, apart from any sort of belief system that you have. Yep. So it's about accepting those things you cannot change and, and discovering what things you can change. And maybe it takes a little while to try to change things before you realize that you can't. Yeah. Or that you realize that you can, because a lot of people accept the status quo. It's the easiest thing to do, the path of least resistance, to not actively try to push the envelope of what your your capacities are, right? Yeah, exactly. And then the next thing would be just the action steps. I mean, it's great to kind of come to these realizations, but then just you have to take action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he talks about this a little bit. You know, you, you have to ask yourself these questions. How can I improve my condition? How can I move beyond this impasse? Have one, and then what will be the best use of my energies in this situation? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's that's always the thing that's missing. I think in a lot of a lot of the self help stuff, it's like you don't have that next step. What should you be focusing on after you've determined all these issues and impasses? Yeah, and in our book, Healthy Mind, Fit Body, at the end, we have a seven-day sentence completion program that incorporates this process of raising your awareness and becoming more in touch with yourself and your own choices so that you can act differently in the future and take responsibility and live a happy life that's consonant with your own health. Yeah, and I think that you can kind of do this one of two ways in terms of the sentence completions. And people that are listening to this podcast, a lot of people are probably looking to lose some weight and that's their main issue or that's the reason they're listening to us. And so one way of kind of improving your overall self-esteem is to start with that, uh, go through the sentence completions in our book, the seven-day plan, and just start working on that specific issue. And what will happen is you will lose the weight and you'll also start to gain self-esteem. Mm-hmm. And then once you've kind of gotten to your goals or close to your goals in terms of uh, fitness and weight loss, then you can move on to other aspects that you may want to improve in your life. Sure. Yeah. Expand on all the different pillars of self-esteem. I think that's really an important message. Yeah. Just in a couple examples he gives here as to how the sentence stem process works and the, the insights, the self-wisdom that each of us has about the choices and values that we have adopted and are living by. Uh, one of the uh, examples here, if I were to accept that I am responsible for my happiness, said an older man who drank too much, and you could substitute drinking for any other sort of thing, right? Mm-hmm. I'd stop complaining that my wife drives me to drink. I'd keep out of bars. I wouldn't spend hours in front of the TV blaming, quote, the system. I'd go to the gym and start getting in shape. I'd give my boss more for his money. I'd probably have to stop feeling sorry for myself. I don't think I could go on abusing my body as I do now. I'd be a different person. I'd respect myself more. I could get my life moving again. And uh, the next one, if I take responsibility for my emotions, said a woman who exhausted her family and friends with her complaining, I wouldn't be so depressed. I'd see how I often make myself miserable. I'd see how much rage I'm denying. I'd admit how much of my unhappiness is spite. I'd focus more often on the good things in my life. I'd realize I'm trying to make people feel sorry for me. I'd see I can be happy more often. And that's the key, to be happy more often. I think that's the end result of taking responsibility. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, only you can determine the nature of your life course and your own level of happiness. Right. Others may have influences, but at the end of the day, you're the one in charge. And that is very inspiring and self-affirming, shall we say. Yeah, and I like how Nathaniel Brandon puts it. He says, no one is coming. 
So you have to, you know, taking the responsibility just means realizing that no one is coming to save you. And it's hard in our society and culture. We have, you know, this whole idea that someone is always going to be there to save us. We have the parents when we're kids and then, you know, people think the government is going to save them. And, and there's always like kind of this cradle of the grave thought with a lot of people that's really deep. And so it's hard to, to kind of shed that. But, you know, he says the example that was kind of funny was he was doing a group therapy session and he mentioned that and he said, just realize that no one is coming. And then someone said, Nathaniel, it's not true. You came. And then he said, correct. But I came to say that no one is coming. Exactly. And that's, once again, putting responsibility into each individual's hands so that they can make the most of their lives. Because dependence is not good for anybody. Um, right. Even the person that they're relying on is dependent on the person that's being dependent. So it's like we are independent beings and we need to find ways to express that in a healthy fashion. So yeah, that's what responsibility is all about. That's it. So we had a question come in that I wanted to cover here in our next segment from, and I want to try to pronounce this right. I'm probably going to screw it all up, but Magic Nujubo. And I don't know where he's from, but he says, how old do you have to be to go on a low-carb diet or specifically an Atkins diet? Mm-hmm. And this was a comment on your blog post, what is your reason, right? Right. That, yeah, that was a comment on the blog post. So either way, if anyone listening out there, if you want to send in a question or a comment, you can email us directly, just info at healthymindfitbody.com, or you can just comment on the blog. And there's blog posts going on all the time. And the reason you were talking about was if you want to lose weight just to look better, but at the same time you hold the idea that this is somehow wrong, then you will likely not get very far along with getting to your optimal weight. Come up with a reason or two that work for you. Don't worry about what other people might think. Focus on what it is that you are truly after and your path will become a lot less frustrating and a lot more fun. Yeah, so this comment wasn't really addressed to that notion. He just wanted to know a technical thing about the Atkins diet in relation to kids, right? Yeah. So I answered, thanks for the question, Magic. I have not seen any research indicating that children should avoid eating like their Paleolithic ancestors ate in order to maintain good health. Basically, we are not very well adapted to dealing with lots of insulin secretion as a result of eating lots of carbs. Lowering carbs to less than 40% at least, and increasing fat intake is in line with healthy human metabolism, regardless of age. Now, of course, infants require breast milk, which contains the perfect balance of nutrients and immune system modulating factors. So, yeah, yeah, big fan of breast milk, although I haven't had it for quite a while. (laughs) (laughs) I guess it's... uh, Really good for kids because little kids, maybe even bigger kids. You know, there's an organization called La Leche League, uh-huh. and they recommend this sort of natural weaning off process from the breast milk. And uh-huh. so typically, I think they recommend up to two years for the breast milk. Yeah, I read the studies on that. And yeah, this breast milk is like the perfect food. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we get older, uh, apparently goat's milk is the most similar type of milk that you can find to breast milk. So I drink oat's milk. It's not the cheapest thing, but it tastes good. It's really creamy and, and it's healthy. So Good stuff. So with most milks, you have to watch out for the lactose in the milk because you can get a lot of extra carbs. I actually stopped drinking milk um, quite a few years ago, maybe 10 years ago, because I wanted to cut down on my carbs. So yeah. nonetheless, it is a good balance of proteins and fats and yep. so forth. And you don't want to drink the skim milk, obviously. No, 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 no. You want to have that protein in the milk combined with the fat. Even though it's saturated fat, which is good for you. (laughs) Not bad. Oh, yeah. Good for you. So that's important. But yeah, so for kids, I think it's uh, 
if you just look at how Paleolithic humans ate yeah. or how they didn't eat, I mean, they certainly weren't stuffing their kids full of all the garbage that most Americans and some people around the world do today, right? Oh, yeah. So, anyway, that wraps up this show. If you want to rate or review our show on iTunes, we have a link in the show notes and also on the website. Yeah, and we're also we're having a sale this month. So, we only got, I guess, like three more weeks this mm-hmm. month. We're lowering the price of the complete package. So, we're offering the audiobook, the ebook of Healthy Mind, Fit Body. Plus, we've got three really cool bonuses, two audios and a video. And we're offering the whole thing for $37. So, And it was normally $47, so we're just lowering it for this month. So go ahead and check that out, healthymindfitbody.com. And just click on the book on the upper left, and you can get to all the details. And if you want a little bit of background for how we structure the book and so forth, you can download this free audio that we have on the website, The Three Pillars for Achieving Your Perfect Weight Through the Mind-Body Connection. And we pitch that every show because it's really an important thing to kind of explain what these three pillars are, like what's the basis by which we understand the mind-body integration aspect. So just go to the homepage and uh, put your name and email address in and you can download that immediately. I think that about wraps it up. Have a great week, everyone, and we'll talk to you next week. Take care. (laughs) 